Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 6 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It's the 13th of May, 2021. This is episode 418 of Bitcoin and... Woo! What a ride, bitches. What a ride. Um, If you were not firmly uh, tucked into your uh, roller coaster seat and had the safety bar firmly down and latched, you probably got your asses handed to you as your head hit the pavement from one of the very top loop-de-loops of this son of a bitch. That's why we tell you, you got to hold on, man. If you're weak of heart, it's just gonna it it's gonna come back to bite your bite you in the ass. So before we get into all the fun from yesterday, uh, let's start with the announcement from <clears throat> Jack Mallers and Ed Carpenter Racing <clears throat> that they will run a Bitcoin car in the Indianapolis 500, raising money for development with Strike. That's right. The mission goes on, people. The mission goes on. I don't give a fuck what some Aspergery son of a bitch had to say. Not that there's anything wrong with Aspergers. You're born with it. But this dude, man, this dude really, at this point, I used to kind of like him. And I gave him the benefit of the doubt. Not anymore. But we'll get into all that shit uh, on the second part of the show. But we have to. We have to understand that the mission continues, all right? So, millions of viewers will see a Bitcoin car compete for first place in this year's Indianapolis 500. By the way, this is Bitcoin Magazine's Peter Chihuahua. IndyCar Series team Ed Carpenter Racing has announced that it will enter the number 21 Bitcoin Chevrolet, a black and orange race car adorned thoroughly with the Bitcoin logo in the upcoming Indianapolis 500 to be held on May 30th, 2021. It will be driven by 2020 NTT IndyCar Series Rookie of the Year, Rhinus VK. Go fast, Rhinus. Go fast. ECR has also teamed with Lightning Network Payments Platform Strike to fundraise for Bitcoin development through the car, which will sport a QR code that fans can use to contribute funds. Of the money raised, 70% will go directly to developers contributing to Bitcoin projects via groups like the Human Rights Foundation and the other 30% will go to ECR to cover race costs and toward charitable causes in Indianapolis. A strike representative told Bitcoin Magazine, ECR, this is Ed Carpenter Racing, <clears throat> is also the first IndyCar Series team to integrate Bitcoin as a payment option for its employees. Quote, for Ed Carpenter Racing to form a strategic initiative to support the Bitcoin network while racing in the largest sporting event on earth is an unbelievable ep- opportunity, Ed Carpenter. An Indy Series driver and owner of ECR told B- uh, Bitcoin Magazine exclusively, quote, 
We are breaking the sponsorship model and will redefine, hold on for dear life, as the Bitcoin car exceeds 230 miles per hour around the track, playing a small role in the Bitcoin movement and giving the community something to root for is bigger than ECR. And we're humbled and honored to get a chance to do so on May the 30th. So the Indianapolis 500 is coming May the 30th, by the way, yeah, just so you know. Bitcoin visuals will also be present on ECR's two other Indianapolis 500 entries. <clears throat> Carpenter, an Indianapolis native and one of only 10 drivers in the history of the race to win at least three pole positions, will be driving the number 20 Sonax USA car and ECR's Connor Daly also an Indianapolis native, will be driving the number 47 U.S. Air Force Chevrolet. Quote, Ed's message is simple. He doesn't want to race for potato chips or soft drinks at the Indy 500, strike founder Jack Maller said in a press release sent to Bitcoin Magazine. Quote, this year, Ed is racing for human freedom, financial literacy, financial inclusivity, and is using the platform he's earned throughout his career to promote, to promote the most powerful message possible in pushing humanity forward. We're tremendously proud to support his efforts. Following the Indianapolis 500, ECR and Strike will bring the Bitcoin Chevrolet to Bitcoin 2021, a June 3rd through 5th event in Miami, poised to be the largest Bitcoin gathering in history. <clears throat> it will be displayed there while its donation drives continue. And the specific Bitcoin development beneficiaries of the campaign will be announced during the event. Okay, let's let's talk about this a little bit because this is far larger, much larger than you might imagine. And the reason is, is because of the sponsorship model that was mentioned. It's not about putting a, the, the number 21 on a car. It's not about painting it black and orange. It's not about putting the Bitcoin logo on it. Okay, it's about the fact that he has no other sponsors. This car is literally sponsored by Bitcoin, right? So it's breaking the sponsorship model, much like we're trying to do with Breeze Wallet, uh, Sphinx Chat, and a couple, there's two others that I can't remember their name, where you can listen to this podcast and stream me sat so you don't have to sit through some bullshit commercial of a product that I don't fucking use, right? It's hard to do, but it's... I think it's I think it's important to do. These guys are doing the same thing. They're not going to be sponsored by Lay's potato chips. They do not have a Dr. Pepper, you know, a Keurig Dr. Pepper sponsorship. By the way, Keurig Dr. Pepper is now all one company, if you did not know that. They don't, they're not going to do it. They're going to break the sponsorship model. And if it works, oh my God, how much better would sporting be if we didn't have to live through all of the sponsorship? Because all the, you know, most of the most of the people that have enough money to actually sponsor shit like this, go look at the nutritional value of what they offer. If it's a food stuff, it's next to nothing. If it's Pfizer, they're trying to kill you with the newest drugs coming online. I'm not talking about aspirin and shit and Tylenol. I'm talking about the new stuff. You can't get away. If you're watching television anywhere in the world, whether at your own house or a bar, you cannot get away from a Pfizer commercial. Right. If it break, if it's successful in breaking the sponsorship model for something like racing, then it will filter down to the rest of the like stock car racing, dragsters. The, the the if the whole racing community can go sponsor free through something like this, oh my god, dude, that would be freaking awesome. So that's why this is a much much larger story than just simply slapping a Bitcoin decal on a car, right? 
It's about the sponsorship model. Now, moving on, we have MoneyGram and CoinMe. They partner to expand access to Bitcoin. This is out of streetinsider.com. I don't know who it's written by. I mean, they put their, I don't think they're given an author. Nope, nope, apparently not. Anyway, MoneyGram International, a global leader in cross-border P2P payments and money transfers, and CoinMe Incorporated, the largest licensed cryptocurrency cash exchange in the U.S., today announced the launch of a new partnership to enable the cash funding and payout of digital currency purchases and sales. The partnership, which utilizes MoneyGram's modern mobile and API-driven payments platform and CoinMe's proprietary cryptocurrency exchange and custody technology, will bring Bitcoin to thousands of new point-of-sale locations in the United States with plans to expand to select international markets in the second half of this year. Quote, this innovative partnership opens up our business to an entirely new customer segment as we are the first to pioneer a crypto-to-cash model by building a bridge with CoinMe to connect Bitcoin to local fiat currencies, said Alex Holmes, MoneyGram chairman and CEO. Our goal, <clears throat> or sorry, our unique global network is an incredibly valuable asset, and we're excited to open our platform to CoinMe as we increasingly look to capture new growth by monetizing our network to new use cases. Now, let's hold on right there, and he talks about his global network. We have several global networks that are already in play. All right, they've been in place since before Bitcoin. They've been growing and expanding. And all of a sudden, here comes Bitcoin as the supreme mycelium mat, which is basically fungus. Uh, Brandon Quidham talks quite a bit about this as well. The thing about, <clears throat> thing about mushrooms and uh, so especially, well, all mushrooms are basically soil-based, but in, in most cases, trees and shrubs and woody dicots and like, you know, plants of that nature absolutely depend on a connection with mycelium to be able to get nutrients that their particular network of roots cannot necessarily reach to. So what happens is that here comes this mycelium, it impregnates and, and inter, inter, uh, inter, basically intermarries with the roots. And then because of those connections and there's chemical connections, the mycelium can transport shit that it mines like from the soil, like, I don't know, calcium, molybdenum, whatever, in places that the root can't get to. So that's why trees can do so well when they're connected with mycelium. They get water. <clears throat> they get nutrients that they wouldn't normally be able to get. <clears throat> but the bigger thing is, is that that mycelium does not just connect with one tree. No, that same mycelium is connecting with another tree, most likely of another type of species. So these two sp completely different species of trees are interconnected. And we have literally no idea how much information flow is actually going through there because chemistry is information, by the way. If you did not know that, please learn that. It, everything is either, well, everything is energy. On top of that, the patterned energy is information. If you can get that to your head, then you can look at the world in a completely different way. You can look at a tree and say, I wonder how that tree is talking to the tree next to it, what they're saying, and in what format that means. That communication could literally be one tree being under attack by a whole bunch of beetles or something, and then the chemical information that's transported through the mycelium from that attack tree's roots goes to the other unattacked tree's roots, and that tree says, oh, it does, it's not thinking, it's just saying, I'm, I'm receiving this chemistry all of a sudden, and this chemistry is literally driving me to produce this product. I have no choice about it. And that product 
happens to be a natural defense chemical. So when the beetles come to that tree, no longer does that tree taste good to the beetles. This shit happens. This is a fact. I'm not making science fiction. I'm not making this up. This shit happens. Now let's look at this. We got the MoneyGram network. We've got Visa network. We've got all these other networks that have been, they've been worked on for 40 years. Here comes Bitcoin and in 12, it starts attaching to the roots of those trees. And all of a sudden, it becomes a master network of all the other networks. And you want to talk about adoption, all you really need to do is have one network that can talk to all the other networks. That is what's going on here. It's important to understand how this shit works. There's a book called The Wealth of Networks. I do not remember the name of the author, but there is a book called The Wealth of Networks. In a way, it talks about this kind of stuff. It's probably a good book for all of us to read, not once, but twice. Continuing global cash and on and off ramps ensure access to Bitcoin. The MoneyGram and CoinMe integration will provide a fast and easy way for customers to purchase Bitcoin with cash and withdraw Bitcoin holdings in cash. It is especially designed for customers who may be interested in utilizing Bitcoin for the very first time. With less than 20,000 cryptocurrency kiosks in the world today, the MoneyGram and CoinMe partnership will further expand access to Bitcoin and potentially other digital currencies by creating thousands of new point of sale locations to buy and sell cryptocurrency. Quote, MoneyGram has spent more than 80 years building one of the world's largest P2P networks, said Neil Berquist, CoinMe CEO. By integrating the global infrastructure with our licensed crypto exchange technology, we can enable the purchase and sale of cryptocurrencies across its system using cash. This is a major milestone for the Bitcoin and cryptocurrency communities and for the millions of people who will benefit from a trusted, easy, and affordable on-ramp to digital currency. The service will be made available <clears throat> at select MoneyGram locations starting in the U.S. in the coming weeks. Additional countries and cryptocurrencies will be made available shortly thereafter. To learn more, visit coinme.com forward slash MoneyGram. I'm telling you, man, the wealth of networks. Mushrooms. I know it sounds absolutely crazy, but the entire universe is built on fractals patterns inside of smaller patterns inside of smaller patterns and then it goes up the other way patterns that form larger patterns that form larger patterns but every single one of those patterns is the same damn unit right <clears throat> the electronic networks that we see are the exact same pattern as the natural networks that we see you just got to be able to open your eyes and look at it and understand that we're all from nature and if we refuse to learn what nature has to tell us, we're probably going to fucking destroy ourselves. There's a saying that there's a saying that's one of my favorite. The forest is the greatest teacher. Walk out into a forest, start figuring out what it's trying to tell you. It's hard at first, but when you get it, you can't unsee it. Continuing with some inflation bullshit. <clears throat> Coindesk has this one. It's written by Domanic Dantes. He says, a U.S. CPI report shows April inflation faster than expected. Highest since 2008. <gasps> Who could have possibly guessed? I'm glad somebody told me that there was inflation. I sure as shit didn't see it at the grocery store. I, I okay. Truth be told, I, I did see it at the grocery store. U.S. consumer prices <clears throat> rose to 4.2%. 
in the 12 months through April, the fastest pace since 2008, the Labor Department's Bureau of Labor Statistics reported on Wednesday, the latest reading of the Consumer Price Index, which is a completely false, trivial, and, and flat-out bunch of lies inflation report, exceeds economist average estimate of, th of a 3.6% increase, and it compares with a 2.6% increase reported last month. The CPI report is particularly important for some cryptocurrency investors who view Bitcoin as a hedge against inflation and ongoing currency debasement. However, concerns about higher inflation beyond the 2% threshold could cause the Federal Reserve to tighten monetary policy, which could weigh on <clears throat> risk assets. On a month-to-month -month basis, the headline AP, or April CPI increased 0.8%, beating expectations for a only 0.2% rise after a 0.6% gain in March. <clears throat> the index for all items, less food and energy, rose 0.9% in April, its largest monthly increase since April 18, or 1982, according to the BLS. Now, the index, <clears throat> less food and energy, which is the things that you actually use the most, are not fucking included. Let that sink into the skull, dudes. Nearly all major components of the CPI increased in April, including prices for used cars, trucks, shelter, and airline fares, a sign that pent-up demand is fueling a rebound in economic mobility. U.S. stocks slumped for a third day and bond yields rose after the report. As of press time, Bitcoin was down 1%. Yeah, we'll get into all that shit because that's later. Quote, <clears throat> the Fed is not going to panic after one startling CPI report, so you can expect to hear even more about transitory bottleneck inflation pressures over the next few weeks. But this report does mean, <clears throat> does mean that the first part of the higher inflation story, the reopening spike, is real. Robert Frick, corporate economist at Naval Federal Credit Union, wrote that in looking at the different categories, you can dismiss many price gains <clears throat> As temporary, oh, there's nothing more temporary or permanent than a temporary government saying, right? Which tilts the argument against persistently high inflation, but doesn't dismiss it entirely. They're prepping you. They are prepping you. They're prepping me too, by the way, but I don't buy this shit. It's all a pack of lies. Stop it. No. So um, where are we at in this? Okay. Yeah, we're good. We're good. So... Here's what fiat experts don't get about Bitcoin. And this is a good story from, from Bitcoin Magazine to read on the heels of the CPI nonsense. And that's what it is. It's all nonsense. They've been doing this up to us for years, but we never had a tool before in the history of mankind that we didn't have to give a shit about their lies. And the minute you don't have to care about somebody's lies is the absolute second that you see the lies for what they are. We don't have to use fiat anymore. I mean, we're going to have to have one foot in the fiat world probably for the rest of my life, but there's an escape hatch and I am, I am mostly out of that. I will keep one foot in the fiat world because it's going to be kind of necessary <clears throat> for the majority of people. However, once you don't have to see the lies is when you see the lies. Okay, so by the way, this is written by Pedro Neto for uh, Bitcoin Magazine. 
Society has conditioned us to listen to experts. They teach us what to eat, what to learn, how to exercise, how to raise our children, and how to care for the environment. <laughs> yeah, right. We think they know better. They have our best interests at heart. After all, they have fancy titles, decades of experience, appear in mainstream media, and have tons of followers. Many of them even work in organizations that have world in the name. How prestigious is that? We intuitively think we wouldn't be able to decide what's best for ourselves. Why would we, or more importantly, how could we go against advice from experts? Focus on what they're lying about. To understand Bitcoin's value, and I mean truly understand it, you have to start asking what is money. This sends pre-coiners spiraling down the Bitcoin rabbit hole. After extensive research on money and economics, a veil is lifted from their eyes. They start thinking, if I've been lied to about money, about inflation being normal, what else have I been taught that was a lie? This is generally where people become skeptical, which leads them to think critically and not take things at face value. For the first time, they start paying attention to what experts are actually saying. They begin seeing inconsistencies in between the various word salads. Some proceed to look at experts' track records. How could these experts be so dead wrong about so many things for so many years? Even worse, nothing happens to them at all. They aren't fired. There aren't any consequences. There is no accountability. <clears throat> That's when some new coiners begin their transformation. It's because of experts' incompetence, political agendas, manipulation, and corruption. New coiners become obsessed with relearning everything. They begin studying history, philosophy, sociology, diet, and environment. They are in pursuit of truth. In a world where everything is manipulated and politicized and over-financialized, they want realness. I added over-financialized, by the way. In order to do so, you need to identify who the fiat experts are. It is helpful to use the following framework. First, People have to realize experts aren't all-knowing and incapable of being irrational or outright wrong. They're as human as you and me. As such, they are prone to error. Then, recognize that they have plenty of biases. This is arguably the most important part. Absolutely everyone has biases. The best that you can do is be aware of them, both your own and others, and in doing so, minimize their impact. Sadly, it appears very few realize how impactful bias is in one's decision-making. It doesn't stop there. Experts also have political agendas. No way, dude. After all, self-interest is a very powerful motivator. Experts, like everyone else, have bills to pay, want promotions, and also just don't want to get fired. The problem there is misaligned incentives. What's best for the expert or <clears throat> organization isn't always what's best for the, their audiences. Oftentimes, experts don't have these high-level positions because they're the best for the job, but because they can't be controlled. At top, or on top of that, humans have a hard time differentiating between confidence and intelligence. Be careful not to fall into this particular trap. The bigger the influence, the higher the accountability should be. Yet, that's the exact opposite of what happens in our society. The bigger a person's influence, the more untouchable they are. Experts have a hard time grasping the facts that they're just like everyone else when it comes to Bitcoin. Bitcoin doesn't discriminate. Experts, in my opinion, do have one distinct advantage. They can simply tweet 
I want to understand Bitcoin and a flurry of Bitcoin authors and podcasters will appear offering them their precious time. That is extremely valuable. Experts are also able to have one-on-one conversations with the brightest minds in the space. Instead, they come in thinking they have an original thought on why Bitcoin doesn't work. This repeats over and over again. The same debunked criticisms, different critics, same bewildered reactions when Bitcoiners begin their attack. We've seen many examples of this already. Alan Farrington has slayed a few himself. A Tale of Two Talebs and Gauge Theory Does Not Fix This come to mind. These are articles, by the way. The former, a two-hour read, deconstructs everything that is wrong about Nassim Taleb. And the latter, in Alan's own words, quote, I spent three weeks learning a completely irrelevant subject at postgraduate level whose alleged expert thought nobody would ever actually do and hence... He could bullshit about it undetected, (laughs) end quote. Lop's tweet sums up most critics of Bitcoin. One benefit of Bitcoin's high learning curve is that it's easy to spot the ignorant concern trolls who haven't done their homework. Thank you, Jameson Lop. Bitcoin isn't in any textbook. Yeah, well, not yet. The world has never seen anything like this before. PhDs try to mold Bitcoin into their theories, but Bitcoin works despite them. Fiat experts fail to understand that Bitcoin's biggest critics are Bitcoiners. Vijay Boyapati's tweet right here. Bitcoin maximalists have thought far more deeply about how and why Bitcoin might fail than Bitcoin's critics. Experts should first dive deep down the rabbit hole before providing input. Their credentials just help them get their foot in the influence door. After that, if they don't shut up and learn, they will be dismissed. There's a thread here from Saifedean that articulates many Bitcoiners' frustrations with fiat experts. And there's three tweets here. No matter how smart you are, it'll take you many months of studying several unrelated and highly technical fields to form a good understanding of Bitcoin. Until you do, you are just wasting your time and the time of those unfortunate enough to humor you. Put in the work or shut the fuck up. This is why Bitcoin is the ultimate fraud buster. Anyone who bloviates on Bitcoin without putting in the work is immediately exposed. This is a proof of work system, not the fiat world where you just need to make up the right politically correct noises to get a lifetime job. Instead of complaining about Bitcoiners being toxic to you, consider the alternative hypothesis. You're demanding time and respect as you spout nonsense you obviously don't understand. Exposing yourself as an obvious fraud worthy of mockery and contempt. Thank you, Safe. That makes good sense. He also has a podcast episode with this with on this with uh, Alan Farrington. What drew me to Bitcoin Twitter was how different the community is in that they don't rely solely on past accomplishments to continue to have influence. As soon as influencers start being inconsistent, unethical, or malicious, they get called out. No matter who they are, the cyber hornets will swarm. What I found interesting was Michael Saylor understanding this and publicly acknowledging his loyalty to Bitcoin. Every expert should be held to a high standard of accountability in the in, like in any industry. Like I said above, the bigger the influence, the higher the responsibility. Soon, if not already, reputation will almost be like a currency. <clears throat> what you say and what you do will have great consequences, be that good or bad. A lot of people start with noble intentions but get corrupted along the way. That's why there needs to be accountability at all times. Don't trust verify is built into Bitcoin. Bullshitters won't survive for very long. When humans get comfortable in their positions, they become susceptible to corruption, greed, or manipulation. Thankfully, if there is a consistent accountability, they won't 
get too comfortable. <laughs> if a Bitcoin future where people and organizations are allowed to fail, only the best will rise up. I wrote this for those who are early on in their Bitcoin journey and are trying to make sense of the world. When in doubt, approach from first principles and stay true to yourself. There is so much noise out there and Bitcoin is our signal. Nicely done, Pedro. Nicely done. Very, very well done, in fact. Um, <clears throat> I am not going to pontificate on that. Uh, it seems to speak for itself, except to say reputations are not only currency, they're probably the most valuable yet flammable asset you have going forward into this future that we have before us. Keep that shit in mind. I've seen, well, we've seen somebody burn down his reputation. We'll see what damage that does because I don't think he's going to, I don't think Elon's going to come away unscathed by this, honestly. Now, <clears throat> here is a rug pull from the DeFi community because nobody's talking about it probably because of Vitalik and Elon's weirdness yesterday, but you need to be reminded that XSNXA and XBNTA contracts have been exploited. Liquidity pools have been drained. We owe the community an explanation. Yeah, you got rugged, bitch. So XToken has this tweet that says, uh, the contracts have been exploited. Minting paused on all contracts as we investigate further. Liquidity pools have been drained. However, most SNX and BNT remain in X token contracts. We owe the community an explanation and be providing another update shortly. So we have a longer read on what happened with the whole X token thing here on rect.news. Yeah, it's www.rect.news. You know how to spell rect. The exploiters live amongst us. A subspecies of crypto users have developed superhuman abilities which allow them to tear holes in smart contracts and mold them to their will with flash loans and arbitrage and nobody is entirely safe from the anonymous team. However, Wrecked News is here to help by archiving stories of the infamous exploiters so that our readers can learn and future generations may be protected from their brutal attacks. So here we go. <clears throat> the exploit transaction. XToken.market, a decentralized passive investing protocol, was exploited with the use of flash loans. Over $24 million was taken from the yield-bearing liquidity pools for SNX and BNT. Minting on all contracts have been paused as we investigate reports. The community alerted us to XToken's tweet within minutes. A second tweet explained that, and I just read the, the rest of that tweet. The attacker used a flash loan from DYDX for 61,833 ETH worth $270, or yeah, $270 million and a private transaction using Flashbots MEV to facilitate the attack. So the total funds lost are 2.4,000 Ethereum, 781,000 BNT, 407,000 SNX, and 1.9 billion XBNTA. So here's the way it worked. Hacker borrowed 61.8 thousand Ethereum flash loan on DYDX, deposited 10,000 ETH to borrow six or 564,000 SNX on Aave and swap 5.5 thousand ETH to 700,000 SNX on SushiSwap. Then sold 1.2 million SNX for 818 Ethereum on Uniswap V2, significantly reducing the SNX price. 
Then they used only 0.12 Ethereum to mint 1.2 billion XSNXA because the protocol buys SNX through Kyber, who in turn led to use Uniswap V2 for this swap. However, within the protocol, SNX price turned out to be normal, which made it possible to swap 105 million SNX back into 414 Ethereum. After that, the attacker began to do reverse swaps and sushi swap and Uniswap and repay loans in Aave. Then they also began to sell the existing SNX to the balancer SNX slash ETH slash XSNXA 2525.50 pool, repaid flash loans to DXDY, issued BNT four times for 0.03 ETH, which ultimately gave them 3.9 billion BNT. And then they swapped half of the BNT to 781,000 BNT. The amount of game theory that is allowed to be played through, okay, this is me talking, on DeFi is why you're always going to get wrecked. It's like, I mean, it's like a Lego set. And they used to call it that. Before, before summer of last year, they were talking to people in the Ethereum crowd were talking about just building shit with Legos. This is what happens when you build shit with Legos. Somebody, somewhere, maybe they just don't get outside much. They think about how they can literally leverage one piece of a platform against another piece of the same platform to get what they want. And when you have this many pipes and this many things jamming up the plumbing, it's really easy to stop up the drain. I, I mean, I don't, this is why I don't have anything to do with this shit. You never know. Nobody can, there's not a, there's not a hope in hell that you're going to have time to be able to do this shit and learn all this crap about DeFi. Not, not at this level. It's, it's, it, you, you literally have to be part of the, the crew that built this shit to understand how all the plumbing works. Those are the people that are doing this. I guarantee it. I, I guarantee it. All right, so let's go ahead and run numbers first, and then we will get into the chicanery that happened yesterday. Looks to me like everything got hit pretty hard by the uh, CPI report <coughs> and the other mutterings from the idiots in suits up there about inflation. Oh my God, I'm so surprised about inflation. Yeah, Jerome, pal, you should be the least person surprised about inflation, but yet here we are. Flammable liquids getting smashed, dude. 2.5% to the downside for West Texas Intermediate pulls us back to $64.36. Brent North Sea down likewise to $67.59 a barrel. That's a 2.5% loss, by the way. A half a percent loss for natural gas, yet still $2.95 for 1,000 cubic feet. All the shiny metal rocks are down, some more than others. Gold, are down, gold is down a half. Silver is down 1%. Platinum is down 1.5%. Copper is actually down, amazingly enough. 1.65% uh, and palladium is down 1.58%. All the agricultural futures are down, some more than others. The worst one is corn. Oh God, of course it's going to be the corn. Down 1.89%. I'll leave the rest of your imagination, but it doesn't look good. Dow futures down uh, approaching a half. 
S&P futures are down a scant tenth of 1%, and the S&P at many is down 0.39. However, NASDAQ is up one-third. Uh, it looks to me like the interest rate futures on bonds, 30 years unchanged, 10-year futures are unchanged, five-year futures are up 0.02, two-year futures up 0.01. So not a whole lot of change there, but yeah, that report shook the markets and everybody with weak hands, which apparently is... 95% of the world's population got spun out. We are down to $49,080 on Bitcoin. I know, don't worry about it. Well, you can worry about it if you want. I've just It's just that I've been here before. I've, I've lived through the FUD. However, I got to admit, I haven't lived through somebody with the prominences of uh, Elon Musk saying stupid shit, and it, which is obviously a lie. We'll get to that later. Um, <clears throat> we have 300,000 transactions performed in the last 24 hours. That's about 12,000 transactions on average per hour. 830,000 BTC were sent in the last 24 hours, which to me is really surprising. Given the crash, the mem, uh, I hate saying it, but I'm going to do it for brevity. The mempool really didn't get all that stacked up. It's still not all that bad. Only 830,000 BTC were sent. That's, I mean, honestly, every single one of those BTC was weak-handed BTC. I, I take this as a bullish symbol, signal. If I seen like 150 blocks stack up in the mempool without hundreds of thousands of transactions and 2.1 billion BTC or 2.1 million BTC changing hands in the last 24 hours, that would worry me. However, honestly, from, from the metric standpoint, aside from the price, this looks like a standard fucking day. I'm taking that as bullish shit right there. So <clears throat> 34,623 BTC are being sent every hour on the hour with 2.86 BTC being the average transaction value while one or 0.021 BTC is the median transaction value. That translates to roughly 1,000 USD again. Solid metric, pretty much the same as like all the other days before. Eight minutes and 17 seconds is the block time that we have right now. We've had a hash rate rise. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's do fees. 0.44 BTC in fees on a per block basis. And only 76.83 BTC have been taken in fees in the last 24 hours. Again, if there was that much panic of holders, that these all these numbers would be a lot more. And they're not. Yet we've got a, we've got a, four, what, what would it be a, like a $5,000 drop, $5, drop in price or whatever? Let's just make sure. Yeah, like 5000 somewhere around there because we were at 54 55 yesterday. It's just a standard day, y'all. I don't understand why everybody's freaking out. Anyway, so with um, uh, a hash rate rise of 4.88%, we're, we're at 181 exahashes per second, much to Elon's chagrin because we're apparently destroying the world. I wonder what it takes to lift lithium out of the earth for his batteries. Oh, that's right. We'll get to that shit. Your shitcoin indicator is hammered. Dogecoin, 38 cents. It, I don't, I'm not all that terribly, I'm not terrified. That, I've been through this shit before. I think you should, maybe we should just kind of all hold on to our asses for a little while and figure this shit out. See, like Clark Moody. I mean, there's only 16,700 transactions waiting for 31 blocks to clear. This, I've seen, this was worse like four weeks ago, right? Right? I'm telling you, man, that I'm, 
I don't get it. However, we've lost our trillion dollar market cap because of the weak-handed idiots out there. We're down to $927.7 billion of market cap. And we've decreased in our, our gold market cap slicing off. We, we're only at 7.82% of gold's market cap. You can now only buy 27.1 ounces of gold with a shiny with a shiny Bitcoin, of which there are 18,708,891.75 of and we still don't know exactly how much above ground reserves of gold there is, yet we know exactly to two decimal places how much Bitcoin there is, but let's not worry about that. Clark Moody has a $49,585 price tag for it. And as far as the Lightning Network is concerned, we move right along. 1,307.38 BTC is the total capacity. That capacity's value has dropped to 64.9 million, yet the total number of nodes has risen to 11,217. And that's Lightning nodes, by the way. Total number of channels has also risen. We're at 45,350 payment channels that we know about. The percentage of Tor capacity has also risen, and that's the Tor, the amount of nodes that are being, or the amount of the Lightning Network being run over Tor is at 59.7%. So that's even a more increase. We have 5,491 Tor nodes on the Lightning Network, at least the ones that we can see. So I'm not sure what all the hubbub is about, but I have a sneaky suspicion and have had for a while <clears throat> that what we're seeing is what we're seeing is a disconnect between what see me as a hodler i cannot signal my hodling because i'm not i'm not trading on the open market <laughs> well i did yesterday if we have time we'll we'll get to that promise it you, you'll you'll enjoy it um <clears throat> the only thing that that's signaling signal for what uh, price discovery is, is this measly 830,000 Bitcoin that changed hand, hands yesterday. Because the order books are, are thin. Why are they thin? Because there's not a whole lot of people that are trading. So the only people that are, are the, the, the price discovery that we're, we're getting, in my opinion, is caused by people who literally have no idea what they're doing and they, they're, they get scared out of their minds at the drop of a needle. Let, think about that. With the amount of volume that I just told you was going on yesterday, the radical price drop that caused it, yet all the hodlers are still hodling, that can only mean that price discovery is being driven by the stupidest people on the planet. Let's move on to taproot activation because yes, we have had a difficulty adjustment. We have nine blocks that are signaling, and we have six non-signaling blocks, which puts us in the realm of, let's see here, uh, we have 60% taproot signaling rate so far. However, we have 2001 upcoming blocks in this new difficulty period. So if the miners will get off their asses, Maybe we can have something go on on this uh, this difficulty adjustment period or this difficulty epoch. I don't know. I don't know what the hell is going to happen, but we have a solid two weeks to get through this period. So start, you know, again, start today. Signal your, fa you know, it's actually not your favorite. Signal all the miners and tell them to get off their ass and activate Taproot, please. That's going to do it for Vitals.
Welcome to part two of the shit show. <clears throat> We're going to start this one off with, well, let's be, actually, let's, let's do this. Let me make a statement here. There was a series of events that happened yesterday. And if you hadn't heard, right, like Elon or Elon was the biggest of the news. However, right before that little shit show started catching on fire, we had this little thing done by Vitalik Buterin where he rug pulled all of his, all of his bags or all of the, the bag holders of these brand new shiny dog tokens that have been spun up since Elon started talking about Doge, like Shiba. We're going to get into it. But there, the, what's important to note here is that there is a series of events. This happened right before Elon's tweet, okay? Also, this happened right after I got news of the SNB or, X, or XBN or whatever. The rug pull from DeFi that I talked about in the first part of the show, that happened, and then this happened. <clears throat> Dogecoin spinoff Sheeb tanks after Ethereum founder Vitalik Buterin dumps tokens. Jeff Benson tells us about it from Decrypt.co. So remember when Vitalik Buterin got a bunch of those Shiba Inu tokens and then some folks warned that he could rug pull the Dogecoin wannabe? Well, it kind of just happened. A wallet attached to the Ethereum creator today removed over $2 trillion in Shiba Inu tokens, which is about $40 million plus, from Uniswap, according to data from Block Explorer Ether, Etherscan, helping propel the token into a nosedive. Sheeb has lost 20% of its value in the last hour per nomics. Now, okay, it's important to give the timestamp. This was uh, written yesterday, okay? So when they give timestamps, uh, time just remember all in the story are from yesterday. Um, <clears throat> Shiba Inu, a Dogecoin knockoff, is a meme coin that calls itself an experiment in decentralized spontaneous community building. Unlike Dogecoin, it runs on the Ethereum network where it has helped contribute to a surge this week in the price of transactions. Sheeb's developers sent more than half of the total tokens to Buterin. They figured that meant the tokens were practically burned or removed from the market as a means of decreasing supply and upping demand. Buterin instead burned Sheeb holders by removing the Sheeb or Sheeb from a liquidity pool on Uniswap, the autodidactic developer wasn't done as he continued dumping Shiba Inu in favor of Ethereum. Taking the opportunity to clean out his wallet, Buterin then traded 50 billion Akita Inu tokens for Ethereum, according to information on Etherscan, causing that dog token to crater by 30% in one hour. 40 trillion Dogelon Mars, or Elon tokens, got the same treatment, getting swapped for 619 Ethereum. That's down a whopping 90% this hour. Bag holders got burned. Don't worry, though. Don't worry, shitcoin speculators. Your loss is charity's gain. Vitalik sent 500 of his just-bought Ethereum uh, plus 10% of his liquidated SHIB tokens to a wallet associated with the India COVID Crypto Relief Fund. He then gave the Elon tokens and another 1,000 Ethereum to a Coinbase wallet for the Methuselah Foundation, a medical charity for extending human life. GiveWell received $53 million in Ethereum, while Gitcoin, an Ethereum-based foundation for open source development, received over half a billion dollars worth of Akita tokens which aren't worth anything. 
he just gave him a, a key to tokens. And it's and he's going to be able to write that shit off on his taxes, by the way, at the point, whatever price it was, I guess, at the point that he uh, gave it to him, he's going to be able to write that shit off on his taxes. All this is, is a tax write-off. And the Methuselah Foundation, extending hu- a charity for extending human life. Guess who's going to get the benefit of that? You think it's going to be some poor bloke, you know, f- sitting on a dirt floor in a mud hut in the center of fucking the Singali? No. It's going to be people like Elon. It's going to be people like Vitalik. It ain't going to be you and me. That's not a charity, dude. This is all bullshit. These people are sick in the head. So like this story was talking about, it was pretty much assumed that, and I heard this chatter a lot on on Twitter, uh, was that he would never do this. And he did. He sat on it. You know, he sat on it for a while. He wasn't doing anything. And then he just pulled the plug yesterday. All of them. I mean, all like all like everything in. If you sent Vitalik something and you were holding a bag of that same something, Elon took a giant shit on you and wiped his ass with your bag. And you are you still and you're still going to defend this guy? Really? You're still going to defend somebody who cut who like because they're here's the deal is that here's retail. Retail doesn't know that. Sh- he, they don't know the nuances here. I mean, we're so deep down the rabbit hole that the Christmas lights hanging on the side of the hole are pretty to us, but we know what really is illuminating them, right? We know what the colors mean. However, in our world, when we look at it, we notice to not touch the lights, but that doesn't mean that we can't enjoy the light show. That's what all this shit is. All this shit coinery when somebody does like an SNB rug pull on DeFi, that's a, like a twinkling light. And we can be, you know, we can be stand in, in awe of its beauty insofar as that it's an interesting thing to watch people get rug pulled because we've been trying to warn them. But it's just part of our environment. Retail, they don't know that. They have no idea that, that Akita tokens are just bullshit. They thought it was real. And they spent their real money because people were aping into this stuff. Anybody who defends Vitalik Buterin at this point is, in, is, is indeed a fraudulent, despicable human being. I'm telling you, man, it, it, you can't, you just can't get away from it, okay? So let's get into the Elon shit. Now, this is from BTC Times, and Thomas M. is writing it. As Elon ditches Bitcoin payments, Bitcoiners ditch their Tesla orders. $10,000 red candles appear less shocking the second time around. And although Bitcoin is on its way to recovery following a near instant crash to $45,000, the culprit remains the center of attention. Elon Musk, who sent shockwaves, confusion, and outrage through the wider Bitcoin space when he announced on Wednesday that Tesla would no longer accept Bitcoin for payments on its store. Yet, not the removal of Bitcoin payments itself, but the reason for the move is what caused discussion among Tesla and Bitcoin supporters. Quote, we are concerned about rapidly increasing use of fossil fuels for Bitcoin mining and transactions, especially coal, which has the worst emissions of any fuel, Musk wrote on Twitter, notably. 
Tesla apparently has no plans to sell any more of its current Bitcoin holdings. However, the car manufacturer is looking into cryptocurrencies that use less than 1% of Bitcoin's energy per transaction, according to Musk. The tweet has caused major backlash against the Tesla chief and his firm, with a growing number of Twitter users disclosing their cancellations of Tesla orders or announcing that they would boycott Tesla products. Yeah, okay, well, that's going to happen, dude. I mean, you know, anyway, many of, of them have shared their disapproval of Tesla's justification for a number of reasons. In fact, the announcement comes rather unexpected, as Tesla only began accepting Bitcoin in March. Quote, I refuse to believe that one of the smartest people on earth just realized Bitcoin uses electricity, finance YouTuber Andrej Zik tweeted. Since Tesla began accepting Bitcoin less than two months ago, the wider Bitcoin mining landscape has experienced no drastic changes that would explain environmental concerns based on new information the firm did not have access to months ago. God, Jesus. Many have pointed towards a comment Musk posted in a response to a tweet by Jack Dorsey in April in which the Twitter CEO wrote that Bitcoin incentivizes renewable energy. <clears throat> Jack, uh, Here's Jack's tweet. It says Bitcoin incentivizes renewable energy, and he's retweeting something from Square Crypto, which says if Bitcoin needs anything, it's more white papers. In this one, Square and ARK Invest team up to argue for Bitcoin as a key driver of renewable energy's future. Hate reading? Here's the nutshell version, and then they go on. So Elon Musk responds to that and says, true. Hmm. Interesting. It sounds like he was well informed of what's been going on in the Bitcoin ecosphere. And yet, hmm, interesting. I, I wonder why. I wonder why. I wonder why. Anyway, with no apparent explanation for the change of mind, some Twitter users have speculated whether Musk is behind the decision or whether the move is a result of external pressure from Tesla's board or even government interference. The Investor's Podcast host Preston Pish wrote in a response to Musk, quote, did someone get yelled at by the government who pays you massive subsidies so you can stay in business each quarter, end quote. Others believe Musk may be out for some cheap Bitcoin. Stephen Levera's uh, tweet here says, Elon wanted to tank the Bitcoin price to make it more accessible. He's giving you one more chance to accumulate cheap before we finish the consolidation and blast up. <clears throat> finishing, it is unclear and unproven whether the Tesla CEO is looking to manipulate the market. Yet, this is not the first time Musk has come under fire for his public statements. Many have accused him of directly influencing market activity around the self-proclaimed meme coin Doge, which Musk has been heavily promoting. With his tweet, the Tesla CEO picked up a conversation that has, been periodic that has seen periodic revivals over the past years. The discussion around Bitcoin's carbon footprint has easily caused the majority of hysterics surrounding the asset in its latest bull market. And while many appreciate the environmental awareness they believe must take on Bitcoin's climate impact is based on misconstrued information. No, no, it's not. No, it's not based on that. He, this, is, this is a PR show, okay? He knows, he knew, he will continue to know exactly what the landscape of Bitcoin mining is, where it's going, i.e. renewables, and the fact that most of the energy being used for Bitcoin mining today is in fact renewables and not grid-driven carbon burning for electrical generation. He knows this. There's no way that he couldn't know this. Don't believe him. Don't trust him. 
Anyway, most much of the criticism was also directed at Musk's inaccurate description of Bitcoin's energy use per transaction. MicroStrategy CEO Michael Saylor wrote in response, quote, ironic because no incremental energy is used in a Bitcoin transaction, end quote. Saylor further noted that on the grand scale of things, Bitcoin's net impact on fossil fuel consumption over time will be negative. The energy consumed by the Bitcoin network is used to secure a trillion dollar in value. <clears throat> or sorry, a trillion dollars in value. The discussion of whether this is justified allocation of energy continues to divide opinions. A popular counterargument that many Bitcoiners have pointed out in response to Musk's announcement is that of the hypocrisy in blaming Bitcoin's energy usage while ignoring that of precious metals like gold or the fiat monetary system, which dwarfs Bitcoin's energy consumption. Dan Held has a tweet here that says, are you going to stop accepting U.S. dollars next, which use even more energy? Gold mining uses 475 million gigajoules of energy. Gold recycling uses 25 million gigajoules of energy. Paper currency and minting uses 39 million gigajoules of energy. The banking system uses 2,000, oh God, 2 billion 340 gigajoules. Was it it 2 billion? Okay, I can't do this right now. It's too early in the morning. 2,340 million gigajoules of energy. Governments use 5,861 million gigajoules of energy. And Bitcoin mining is at coming in at 183 million gigajoules of energy. And by far the banking system and the governments of the world are just making it look stupid. Lena Seish has it, her own tweet. If Tesla is worried about fossil fuels, it's time to suspend vehicle purchases using fiat currencies. And she gives much of the same information that Dan Held just gave. In addition, many take issue with Musk's portrayal of Bitcoin mining as a major consumer of fossil fuels and have noted the large number of miners that power their operations with renewable energy, often even using surplus energy to convert otherwise wasted energy into monetary value. Samson Moe, CSO of Blockstream, linked to an April report published by Dorsey-led Square, which outlines Bitcoin's potential to fuel clean energy with its variability to solve intermittency and congestion problems associated with renewable energy production. Blockstream itself operates large-scale Bitcoin mining facilities that utilize hydropower. The environmental argument against Bitcoin mining often builds on the premise that many miners are located in China, a major producer of coal-based energy, yet it is difficult to pinpoint just how many miners actually power their machines with coal. In fact, many use excess energy generated by hydropower plants in the Sichuan region. While Musk's tweet has shaken Bitcoin on its upward trajectory, his wording points towards a temporary suspension until Tesla is confident in Bitcoin's energy sources. Oh, well, dude, have fun staying not taking Bitcoin for years because that's just not going to happen for a long time. And if it does, I'd be very surprised. In either event, if or when that will be the case is unclear. In the hours following the announcement, a very specific take has further come to light, that of an ulterior motive. So Brady at Citizen Bitcoin says today, quote, as soon as mining transitions to more sustainable energy, end quote. Also today, Elon buys the dip. Later, Tesla announces Gigamine, the largest Bitcoin mine in the world, 100% powered by the sun. End tweet. All speculation around the news that Bitcoin hodlers 
through yet another $10,000 dip remain, or currently remains just that, speculation. At press time, Bitcoin has recovered to close to $51,000. Now, here's, here's the thing that I kind of want to get into a little bit. Um, well, actually, hold on, hold on, because I may not have time. Let's do this first. MeanHash, at MeanHash, has a great Twitter thread about lithium mining. Why is it important? What do you think? What do you think uh, Elon's main appetite for is as far as rare earth minerals? It's going to be lithium. Why? Lithium batteries. His entire fleet of cars depends on a steady supply of lithium. So let's look at what lithium does to the planet. Mean hash begins this one with Tesla PR or public relations. We won't sell electric cars if we don't act like a green company. Elon Musk says Bitcoin uses too much electricity and we are concerned about its impact on the environment. Also, Elon, we're the largest consumer of lithium in the world, but don't look how it's mined. Hmm. <sighs> to add more context to this, one lithium mine digs up more dirt than all the coal mines in the United States combined. Over a single year, producing 60,000 tons of lithium at the site could mean digging up as much as 20 to 30 million tons of earth, more than the annual amount of earth dug up to produce all coal output of all but seven or eight United States states. Also, to then get the lithium from the dirt, it is most frequently mixed with tons of sulfuric acid in huge toxic sites. Oh, and by the way, all of the digging, moving, and shipping of all that dirt and acid is done by fossil fuels. This, combined with the rest of the raw materials used to make a Tesla uh, actually make driving a Tesla worse for the environment than driving a fuel-efficient gasoline-based car, don't fall for the PR scam. Here are pictures of pools of toxic liquid dissolving the soil to extract lithium. And there's two pictures of all these holding ponds out in the middle of the desert and they're evaporating water. And, and at the same time, the pools are, like you said, the toxic chemicals are dissolving the lithium so that all that shit can be extracted and then reprocessed. And by the way, the pools, we're talking about like, we're talking about probably it looks to me like several sections of land. A section of land is 640 acres and they're just open vats of toxic pools of chemistry. Don't even get me started on the cobalt mining. Tons of people are against blood diamonds, but they don't realize the cobalt mining in Africa is far deadlier. Why isn't it labeled blood cobalt? More lithium mines, and he shows pictures of these deep strip mines because that's what they are. They're strip mines. Cobalt, too. Cobalt and lithium are that he, he's probably the largest consumer of both of those uh, earth elements than any other thing on the face of the planet as far as a single entity is concerned. Maybe not by industry, but certainly by the, a single entity. So, what do we have here? We have somebody who has unzipped his fly pulled his dick out, waved it at us, and we find out, lo and behold, this is just another asshole. And that's why I lost respect for, for Elon. If he had just, you know, if, if it had just been, hey, we're going to stop, we're going to suspend payments for Bitcoin, we're, you know, we need to, it, it, all he really needed to say is we needed to look at uh, Bitcoin's, uh, you know, the, the mining issue or the power consumption issue and just leave it at that. But no, he went further 
And when he went further and all the, you know, it, it brought to, to light all the rest of the shit that has to be done to invent, you know, or not invent, but to build a Tesla car, i.e. the lithium strip mining and the cobalt mining. Now, <clears throat> let's kind of just kind of chill out for a second and think about this logically. Has anybody actually bought a Tesla with a Bitcoin? Do you know of anybody that's tweeted about how they traded a Bitcoin? Even if there was one or two purchases of Teslas with Bitcoin, honestly, how, how much of a percentage of uh, Tesla's revenue is based on that? So if it was something like 75% of his revenue was coming in through Bitcoin and all of a sudden he's got a crisis of conscience, well, okay, I, I get that. But you know it's not 70%. You know it's not 50%. You know it's not 25%. Hell, you know it's not even 10%. It's maybe 1%. I, I, I would probably, I'd go so far as to say sub 1% of all sales of Tesla since they started doing this in March has been Tesla sales via Bitcoin. He's disingenuous and his reputation is going to get burned for it because I get the feeling that we're going to be uncovering just how bad, environmentally speaking, SpaceX, Tesla, and the boring company actually are. I suspect that people are going to have just, they're going to find the time to rip this man to shreds. And if he does, if this, this happens, he will be fired from his board. If it starts affecting Tesla sales, I suggest you do it. I know I'm going to be retweeting pictures of lithium mines pretty much all goddamn day. And I'm going to be tagging Elon Musk, SpaceX, Tesla, and boring company in every single one of those tweets. And if I'm not doing it, if I lay off, DM me and tell me to stop being a, such a pussy and get back on it, all right? Now, let's talk about three reasons why Bitcoin does not care about Elon Musk. William Suberg's writing this one for Cointelegraph. Yeah, we're pissed, but let's see what's going on here. Bitcoin dived 17% when Tesla CEO Elon Musk criticized the energy consumption but it's already bouncing back. On Thursday, fresh from its dip to 45,600, BTC is trading above $51,000, having regained over half of its lost ground. But with the drama still spreading, Cointelegraph considers why, on a fundamental level, Bitcoin is ultimately resilient to the actions of a single user, no matter how influential they are. Well, proof of work doesn't care. Bitcoin's proof-of-work algorithm rewards both miners and investors over time because their years of work make the network stronger. The longer Bitcoin continues, the less likely it is to succumb to an attack or sees its participant leave the network for a different cryptocurrency. This is precisely why Bitcoin continues to be the cryptocurrency of choice with competition. As many argue, no altcoin can do Bitcoin like Bitcoin. When it comes to Musk, however, proof-of-work is significant for another reason. Just because one prominent investor changes their mind on Bitcoin's merits and the price drops, <clears throat> miners have no added incentive to quit the network or cash out. This aspect of network effect means that Musk ultimately provides Bitcoin with good rather than bad publicity. As even price shows, his words and actions do not change what Bitcoin is or what it is capable of. Quote, why is proof of work crucial for Bitcoin? Because a valid hash is how P2P nodes know that a block is valid. 
without needing a server or a trusted third party plan B creator of the stock to flow family of Bitcoin price models commented on the phenomenon. So two price trends don't care. Despite its abrupt dive after Elon Musk's words, Bitcoin's recent price action speaks more to its resilience to criticism than its susceptibility. In the event, BTC-USD pair spent a mere two hours in decline before reversing and holding higher levels. Not just that, but the dip also fits with regular price behavior seen this year and did not even violate any longer-term price trends. A particularly important level that has characterized the 2020 to 2021 bull run has been the 21-week exponential moving average, or the EMA, Analysts have said that this level would dictate the price floor during dips. It even held during the previous bull run peak in 2017. This time, Musk likewise failed to topple the indicator, and the brief wick to 45,650 was extinguished when it met the 21 EMA on the way down. As, sorry, Bitcoin energy consumption also doesn't give a shit. As ever with Bitcoin, it pays to zoom out. Once the dust settles on Musk's individual energy criticism, the wider debate on how eco-friendly Bitcoin is will continue in his wake. Most of the common accusations, however, have been long debunked as short-sighted and lacking evidence. Just last week, Michael Saylor, uh, CEO of MicroStrategy, of course you know that, gave a public interview in which he reinforced the lack of merit inherent in claims that Bitcoin is bad for the environment. Responding to Musk, he called Tesla's decision to stop accepting Bitcoin for payments ironic. Quote, ironic because no incremental energy is used in Bitcoin in a Bitcoin transaction, he wrote on Twitter. Quote, the energy is used to secure the crypto asset network and the net impact on fossil fuel consumption over time will be negative, all things considered, end quote. Expanding one's time horizon is thus essential to understanding why Bitcoin is worthwhile. As Saifedean Amis, author of the popular book, The Bitcoin Standard, often mentions, having a low time preference allows BTC investors to understand that rejecting sound money for reasons such as the environment ends in more energy wasted on the unsound alternatives. This time, Amis did not mince his words, quote, unless you've switched your rockets and battery manufacturing to more sustainable energy, you're going to look like a clueless big hypocrite here, he tweeted, alluding to Musk's other company, SpaceX. Yeah, which basically burns 400 tons of kerosene. Well, we'll get to that. Anyway, <clears throat> quote, the world needs sound money far more than it needs your rockets and government subsidized electric cars. That's right. The only way this company stays afloat is with government subsidies. So again, three reasons why Bitcoin doesn't give one little shit about what Elon Musk does, says, what he reaches for, where he walks. I don't, it it doesn't matter. It just, it doesn't matter. So let's get into somebody who probably gives less of a shit about Elon Musk than, I don't know, anybody else in the world. Apparently only Americans and and Western civilization is fascinated with Elon Musk. All right. Let's take this guy from Gibraltar, which technically is Western, you know, is part of the Western world, but it's far removed from, he's not going to be buying a Tesla. He's not going to be buying a Tesla in Spain or Gibraltar, you know, or any of like that little Mediterranean area. 
Uh, Adri Adriana Hamaker has this one from Decrypt.co. We will be flooded by Bitcoin ETFs, says the Gibraltar Finance Minister, Albert Isola. Albert Isola, Gibraltar's Minister for Digital and Financial Services, thinks that we will be flooded by Bitcoin ETFs if the U.S. SEC <clears throat> approves the first exchange-traded fund for digital assets, and he expects it to happen this year. I think, and I hope it does happen this year, he said, speaking to the Decrypt Daily podcast, but he raised concerns about the lack of supervisory measures for the aftermath of an ETF approval. Quote, the process is clear in terms of licensing, but what about supervision afterwards? Who's going to be responsible? What are the criteria? What is the U.S. looking for in terms of how these vehicles are managed and marketed in the whole environment around them? A U.S. approval will have a big impact on policy in the rest of the world, he noted. As of last month, the SEC has re received no less than eight ETF applications. Um, the SEC has pushed its decision on the proposal of at least to at least June, but the pressure is piling up. Canada approved its first. Yeah, we don't know. We all it, it, Canada got their first one in freaking February, and then they approved two more, and then Brazil got theirs. Isola is convinced that sound regulatory policies are needed for broader crypto adoption. Gibraltar has long been ahead of the curve with the digital asset space. It introduced legislation to regulate digital leader technology at the beginning of 2018 and has now granted over a dozen operating license to crypto companies, including exchanges eToro and Huobi, and most likely or most recently a crypto bank Zappo earlier this year. The territory even launched its own NFT stamp. Oh, God, please, no. Quote, I think that the space is particularly vulnerable to trends. <laughs> you get think? Likening the current fashion for non-fudgeable tokens to a time when people literally bandied around the word blockchain. Quote, we've got to be careful that NFTs are not used in the same way. I think the NFT will be extremely valuable tool moving forward, provided they are choosing the right areas and in the right circumstances. Asked about the recent surge in the popularity of meme coins, such as Dogecoin, Isola struck a cautious tone, noting that care needs to be taken to understand, quote, the substance of what it is and what it represents before you then begin to evaluate what its longevity or its future could be, end quote. This guy fucking gets it, dude. He also took a swipe at the marketing surrounding meme coins, quote, People have to be very, very careful of differentiating between risk and reward and understanding fully what is happening in front of them, he said, adding that while clever people at marketing are often successful in the short term or even longer term, issues begin to rise as the cracks begin to appear. So Isola seems to actually get it, which is good news. I mean, because we need smaller countries. We don't need, we, we want smaller countries. We don't need them, but... In all honesty, in my opinion, the smaller countries are where all the action is going to be in this century. It's not going to be in the West, man. And it's not going to be in China. It's not going to be in Australia or New Zealand or fucking India. It's going to be in Ghana. It's going to be in Uruguay. It's going to be in El Salvador. It's going to be in Patagonia and Brazil and, <clears throat> I don't know, Costa Rica, which from what I understand is absolutely gorgeous all year round. But be that as it may, you know, like uh, Transylvania, where Vlad Castilla lives, and like the Baltics and the Balkans and everywhere else that the West isn't, 
is going to be the future of the world. Because honestly, we seem to have in the West here, we seem to have some kind of uncurable disease of stupid. And as that thing grows like a cancer, the stupider and stupider and stupider these countries become, the brighter minds will leave if for no other reason than to stop being around stupid, easily swayed fucking people. To get out. You know, I mean, the the smartest people were able to leave Germany, but that was because there was just it's the huge amount of like r- r- rancor going on. And it wasn't just people being stupid here. We've got, we've got what Nazi Germany has, w- what they were doing at the beginning, except it's so pervasive and it's so well structured that you, I, I'm thinking seriously about getting out of the United States. That's all I can say about that. Now, <clears throat> Oh, are we here already? Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Uh, yeah, we are here already. We're we're to the end. That was the end of it. So before I get into anything else, I want to uh, tell the little story about my trading foray yesterday. I had been threatening to get to you know get a ledger that was working because both of mine are bricked, um, and <clears throat> you know get all of my shit that you know my bags of doge or my bag of doge, my bag of Litecoin, and my utterly small bag of Ethereum Classic. I also discovered that I have half an Ethereum. So go ahead and and spit at me, okay? I I literally own one half of one Ethereum. Um, So what happened? Okay, I ordered a ledger, like I think it was like last Thursday or last Friday uh, from Ledger, directly from the company. If you're gonna buy Ledger or any of these hardware wallets, buy it directly from the company. Do not use a third party. Okay, that means somebody definitely intercepted your package and could have done anything they wanted to it. In this particular case, DHL shipped it from Orly, France, and it took, it was going to take until, actually, I, from what the schedule said, I wasn't going to get this shit till tomorrow, right? So imagine my surprise when it came in yesterday morning. So... I had finished, uh, I had finished up the podcast. It had already been, you know, uh, rendered down and, and put out on, uh, on SoundCloud and I made the announcements and then I went to the, uh, uh, post office, picked it up. Sure enough in plastic, I got my ledger. Uh, yes, obviously it could have been intercepted, but it doesn't matter anymore because of what comes next. I plugged my led my new brand new shiny ledger into my wife's computer. I had already set up a brand new Kraken account. Yes, I had to KYC my ass. I don't care. I, and it's not that I it's, it's that I don't care this time. It's not that I don't ever care. It's just that for for this particular mission that I was on, that was not in the cards. Okay, I was not going to go and try to figure out a way to do all the shit that I'm about to do KYC free. And it's not because I'm, I don't have anything to hide. No, I'm not using that excuse or anything. It was literally, I needed to get rid of this crap. So here we are at about, I think I want to say it was about 1030 yesterday morning, central daylight time. And uh, got it plugged in and recovered using my, my past, my 24 word seed phrase. I was able to recover all of my bags. I, I mean, I literally got them all back. So uh, hold on for a sec. Let me get numbers for you so that I can be transparent. 
Okay, I already figured out that I screwed up. I've got my Kraken uh, account up and running, and I w- actually apparently had all of my shit ready to go on Kraken by, I'm going to say, let's see here. I'm looking at my list of transactions that I made. I made a bunch. Uh, let's see. That was, yeah. Okay, yesterday, starting at, oh, wait, wait, no, they went, they, I'm sorry, they're, they're, the time is the time and date is different. Um, starting at somewhere around, I don't know. Um, was it? Well, hell, man. Good mercy. Hold on. Sorry about this. Oh, their time stamps are different. Okay, they're not respecting my my time uh, my uh, time zone. Okay, so yeah, around like my nine thirty or ten thirty, I started. Uh, I had all my shit, my all my Litecoin, all the Dogecoin, and the scant amount of three point nine nine Ethereum Classic. I had it all on crack and ready to pull the trigger. I started pulling triggers. I was selling Doge in uh, ten thousand Dogecoin tranches at oh I can't remember it doesn't even show me the price but it was like 46 cents per doge um I'm not going to say exactly how much doge I had but I pulled the trigger on several 10,000 dogecoin tranches at 46 to 45 cents per doge what was I selling it for I was selling it for bitcoin at roughly around 54,000 somewhere between 54 and 55,000 dollars yesterday so let that sink in as to where I was and what time I was doing this. Cause I had no idea what Elon was going to say. So I continue on my little foray. So I, I dumped out of over 20 Litecoin. I dumped 3.99 Ethereum classic and I dumped all of my doge bags. The only thing that I have left is the following. I have 0.52 uh, Ethereum. Why did I not sell the Ethereum? Because the gas fees were so high, it wouldn't have even made sense to send it. I would have, I mean, it, 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 pro- it probably wouldn't have even sent because I wouldn't have had, I wouldn't have been able to, to cover the, the, the fees, okay, on that send. So I don't, I, don't, I can't even send it to a burn address because it's going to cost fees. So I'll just, I, I, it's just sitting there in its little Ethereum, you know, Ethereum wallet and I don't give a shit. What's left over? All the all the Bitcoin fork coins that I've never claimed. Will I claim them? I don't know. Maybe. Because I felt absolutely no displeasure whatsoever in dumping my bags on retail yesterday morning. You know why? Because fuck you. If you are aping into this bullshit, you deserve everything you got. Because here's what happened after I finally finished up all of my sales. Once I confirmed that I was able to get the Bitcoin from Kraken to my private keys. I did it like just a test transaction just to make sure with like 200 bucks. And when it came in, I pulled the rest of my Bitcoin off. I sold everything for Bitcoin. I didn't ape into USD. I didn't, I didn't try to trade. I did, I did market sales and mark, you know, basically market sell of Dogecoin for Bitcoin. I didn't go to USD first. I literally sold somebody who was sold Doge to somebody who was willing to give up their Bitcoin for Doge. And I don't feel bad about that. I completely eviscerated this trade. I did. I murdered this son of a bitch 
worst. I mean, do you might as well put police a crime scene tape around my ass the way that I literally murdered the fuck out of this trade. Because here's what happened after I fi- after I initiated getting all of my Bitcoin off. My wife came in and she's like, hey, would you go to the store for me? And this is about, I don't know, this is probably about 1230 or so, something like that. I can't really remember exactly when. <clears throat> Maybe one, I don't know, Central Daylight. Uh, so I, I take it, I run to the store. I get the 10 or 15 items that are on that list. I run back and I look at the price and I go, what the hell happened? Four, I'm like $49,000. We're plunging through 48. Oh my God, here comes 47. And that's when I see the tweet from Elon. And I'm like, holy shit. I was able to punch out a doge at 46 cents, buy Bitcoin for 54000 dollars at the price and then everything got tore up and i think right now doge is at let's see if i can get this thing up uh let's see what doge is at right now doge is at 41 cents it got down to as low as i want to say 34 cents or something like that and yes because the price of bitcoin is right now at fifty thousand four hundred and forty four dollars i basically got punched in the face but i still murdered the trade Why? Because I have more Bitcoin and I was able to unload my bags on unsuspecting people who didn't understand what asset it was that they held. And I don't feel bad about it. Now, if you think that I'm unethical and and completely immoral and a reprehensible reprobate, man, you go right to it. I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to defend that. I'm not because you're a, you're entitled to your opinion. B, I may not agree with your opinion, but I can definitely see how you'd formulate that because I too dumped a bag of shit on retail. And I think what it is, is I had discussions with my wife about it. I had a discussion with my sister about it. And basically we came to the conclusion that if these stupid people are going to just continuously be this stupid, then fine, let them have it. If they are, if they want my Dogecoin so bad, they are welcome to it. Cause you know what I paid for it for the entire amount of Doge that I was able to, to eliminate yesterday in 2016, I bought it for $28. I made thousands of dollars on this trade. Do not try to replicate this shit. Why? Because I literally got lucky. That's all this was. It wasn't, oh man, he's all brilliant because he must've done this TA and knew exactly when to sell. Uh Uh-uh, bro. This was 100% unadulterated, pure luck. I cannot replicate it. There would be no way that I could replicate it. I have no visions of grandeur here. I mean, I am... I am happy and it made me feel really good that I was able to wrap my hands around the neck of this trade and just choke the life out of it. But never again, I'm done. I I don't want these bags. I may very well go and claim, you know, like this, you know, I don't know if we're going to end up in a super cycle or not. Okay. Because of all this mess, I kind of think that we might just be in a regular cycle. I do not think this is the top, however, because there's a whole amount of resilience the Bitcoin price is showing. And like I said earlier during the number, when we ran the numbers, today looks like any other day. If 2.5 million BTC were sent around the horn in a 24-hour period, 
uh, according to bid info charts, I would have been worried. If the media, if the average cent per hour was 75,000 BTC, I'd have been worried. These numbers, all these metrics, they're all normal. And we had the biggest upward difficulty adjustment, I think, in either in history or damn close. As of today, I got 72% of miners that are now signaling for Taproot. And everybody's posting pictures of the devastation done by lithium and cobalt mining and tagging SpaceX and Tesla in it. People are posting their cancellation orders for Tesla. This guy is fucked. Now, is he going to be poor? No, he's not going to be poor, but he's kind of fucked. It set his company's back. No matter what he does, no matter, no matter, it doesn't, it, it doesn't matter anymore. But I wanted to let you know that, yes, I dumped all of my shit on retail yesterday. And 30 minutes later, Elon says stupid shit, plunging the price of everything. I murdered that trade, but it was only by luck. If you want to set out to try to replicate that shit, have fun staying poor, pal, because that's exactly what's going to happen. Unless you are a ballers trader and you know exactly when to pull triggers and exactly when to punch out. Hey, man, if you know how to do that, more power to you. You go right ahead. But 99.9% of the people that are coming into this space and even the people that are already in this space cannot do that. They can try, but then they get wiped out. And the next thing you know, you see, su see suicide hotline numbers everywhere. People were aping in to Doge at 70 cents. I cut their throats at 45 cents. And Elon cut the rest of their throats, sending it to 37 cents. People who are buying it now thinking they're getting a deal are basically buying their own death. The only question about when that death come, comes is how soon and how bad is it going to be? Because that's going to be a mangling, horrendous bloodletting. It's just going to be awful. I don't know what else to tell you, man. If you bought my Doge, you shouldn't be listening to this show. That's going to do it for the morning roundup. do to encourage people to get vaccinated is going to be important. And that's where uh, the idea of uh, proof of vaccination for different services or better access is something to look at. Walk the path between respecting uh, someone's privacy, but also understanding that whether or not someone's vaccinated uh, is something that we should be able to uh, to make use of. Uh, to both encourage people to get vaccinated and Canada's prime minister Trudeau there <clears throat> telling you basically that domestic vaccine passports are going to be a thing. This is tyranny beyond all tyrannies. I don't really need to tell you anything more about that, ex except that for my brothers and sisters that are living up there in Canada, my heart goes out to you. Um, but as usual, as a cautionary tale, uh, this does not, in any way, shape, or form, protect Americans for the same shit happening down here, because I suspect that it will. Uh, Florida and Texas, and possibly like Wyoming, um, and South Dakota, maybe, I don't know, will be the holdout states. Texas certainly will, and I'm pretty sure Florida will. But uh, yeah, I don't know about this, but <clears throat> I don't have any, you know, any particular information. But I suspect 
that we're going to see it here. The question becomes, are we going to fight? Because it does not look like the Canadians were able to put up much of a battle, which sucks. And I kind of expected more from my Canadian brothers and sisters, but we've been so dumbed down as a society. It's not just the mainstream media. It's, it's big agriculture has basically been feeding us poison for the last well, since at least since 1971, <clears throat> when uh, Secretary of Agriculture Butts uh, made his speech, while basically while Nixon was making his speech destroying the financial health of the world, uh, Butts was making his speech to farmers telling them to go big or go home, essentially, to grow commodity crops from fence pro post to fence post. And that's how we got all the corn. I mean, and just nothing but like 80% of our food in the United States is made of carbohydrate. You don't even need to eat a candy bar anymore to, to screw up your pancreas. You can just go, go to a McDonald's, screw up your, you can screw up your pancreas anywhere. All right, let's get into something else. Uh, <laughs> um, let's make sure, let's, uh, hold on, where's my, where's my thing? Where's my thing? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, we got to have a joke because today was a pretty hard day. Yesterday was a hard day. Today's a hard day too. We're in for some hard days. There's just not much you can do about it. Okay. We're going to be in the fifties forever, Laura, forever. But in the meantime, we can always tell each other jokes. So dad says jokes has this one for you. What do you call a short mother? A minimum. Get it? A minimum. That's nice. Ah, that's nice. That's a good one. Okay. That's a good way to end the show. We've definitely run long. I'm into an hour and a half. I'm not going to waste any more of your time. If you like the show, please do me a favor and share it. Help me out um, with like breaking the sponsorship model, just like the uh, Ed Carpenter Racing Group and uh, LN Strike and Jack Mallers are, are trying to do with, um, with the Indy 500 car. Help me help you bring you the news and commentary every single morning like I've been doing for 417 episodes. And now it's 418 episodes. I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.